Hello and welcome to Real World HR, the podcast which is putting the human back into HR. I'm Louise Kennedy, HR expert, chartered CIPD professional and founder of leading HR consultancy Oculus HR. In the Real World HR podcast, we focus on people and of course, where there's people involved, there's sometimes problems. But we don't shy away from that. We tell the stories that we've learned from and explain the processes that have supported the solutions. This episode features talent acquisitions expert, Sam Spewers. Award-winning entrepreneur, Sam is the founder and strategic talent and resource and director at Talent Heads. Talent Heads supports grown businesses as their internal recruitment team. They break in the traditional stereotypes of the recruitment industry by providing businesses with a better way to attract, nurture and retain talent. On this podcast, Sam will discuss what businesses can do to change the way that they view the recruitment strategies in a competitive market, the rise of employer branding, and also how to ensure your people align perfectly with organisations, cultures and values. Are you ready to step into the real world of HR? Thanks so much for joining us today, Sam. We um, are really interested to kind of talk about the recruitment topic. I think there's so much that goes with it and there's uh, such a, an area of things that, yeah. well, there's not enough people is there to be able to do the jobs at the moment. So I would imagine what it is that you're doing in businesses at the moment is even more difficult than what it would have been previously. So do you want to just start off and give us a little bit of an intro about kind of who you are and what you do and what and what Talent Heads does as well? I know we've known each other. Someone asked us the other day, didn't they, and say, yeah. how do you know each other now? I thought, mm, actually, we can't remember we can't how. Remember how. <laughs> know each other <laughs> and probably for about probably about four years five years yeah, if not a bit, bit longer, longer. Yeah. yeah but we can't remember how we know each other and no. um, we just do <laughs> it just works <laughs> it just works so if you just want to kind of run through who you are and what it is that the business does and how you support other businesses that'd be great absolutely so as you mentioned um i set up a business called talent heads so i'm the founder and the managing director of talent heads so i set it up in 2020 in the pandemic i just knew there was a market there for it and i was desperate to kind of come out of the corporate world and set something up myself. So so basically my background previous to setting up Talent Heads was I worked in recruitment agencies for 11 years. I did the usual go to sixth form, do your A-levels and then kind of do your degree after that. And once I graduated, I knew I wanted to work with people. So I actually went into social services. It was absolutely brilliant, um, a really, really good opportunity for me to see such a diverse range of people with lots of different issues. However, I realised quite quickly that actually I was quite green and quite naive being quite young coming out of university and I was a little bit worried that, you know, when things happened to some of those individuals I was supporting in their independent living, that if anything was to happen, I didn't think emotionally I could deal with it. So literally walked into a recruitment agency and said, I want to register and see what opportunities you've got available for someone like me. And they said, you'd be perfect working here and then 11 years later I was still working in recruitment agencies. So I've worked in different recruitment agencies, national ones, international ones, boutique ones, high street ones, um, some really really good businesses and I've had exposure across recruiting every single type of individual in every sector that you possibly could. And then basically one of my clients came up to me and said you know come and join us internally we want you to come and work for us and when my kids were at an age where I was kind of like yeah actually I can make a step and come out of something that I kind of know now I've been in for a long time I want to join something new now's the right opportunity for my family I actually went in and became the head of recruitment for a very large national business um, with multi-sites across the UK um, and I led a team to manage the full recruitment spectrum from absolutely everything future talent programs up to board level appointments and I grew a really big team as that business went through mergers acquisitions um, financial buyouts lots of things like that and I set up talent heads um, because I knew that there was a market there for something external that wasn't a traditional recruitment agency and being an internal professional I knew what it felt like and the sting that it felt when a hiring manager said to me they were going to use a recruitment agency and I was like why don't you want to use my team my team are fabulous Um, and I thought actually there's got to be something different out there that bridges the internal model with the external model and you can outsource your recruitment to us and we would bring it back in-house so it's owned longer term and strategically by the business. So do you think your main driver initially of setting up Talent Heads was that experience that you'd had internal? Absolutely. So you were able to kind of, it sounds like you had a real breadth of experience as you went through. I did. And I don't think, because I hadn't, obviously, being new to the internal world of recruitment, I hadn't seen the the impact that people actually made. I mean, traditional recruitment agencies are all about kind of sourcing talent, finding CVs, send them over to clients, arranging interviews and then appointing. But actually, when you go in and work internally as the internal 
external recruitment team, you see the pain of the gap that's been there for ages, that, that the business can't move on because they haven't got the individual there to be able to do the role. You know, you, you feel, you see the progression of individuals you pop you put in there. You find out kind of how your recruitment strategy ties into your people's strategy that ties into your business strategy. It's just so much more detailed than the external world. And I think people just come up with that external or it's a recruitment agency, they'll find somebody. Uh, but actually for me and you both, I think we're kind of quite aligned in the fact that actually it's that culture and values piece, isn't uh, it? That joins together from what's being put out there as your recruitment, as in who are you as a business recruitment uh, yeah. and then bringing it in, but having that level of consistency being brought in, isn't it? Just to be able to say, well, actually, it's not just what we'll promote out there to, or to the to the wider public. It's kind of mm-hmm. as you bring people in, in-house, mm-hmm. what do you then do to make sure that that's all in place, Absolutely. isn't it? To be able to... Keep the people, really, isn't yeah. it? The, the retention element of yeah. it's so important as well as the recruitment because mm-hmm. people are changing jobs so quickly, the turnover mm-hmm. so quick. And I think people are average, you you know about them, but two or three years people mm-hmm. are in jobs, then they, yeah. they move to something like for like as well, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. I always talk about re- recruitment to retention. It's got to be about retention. That kind of bums on seat, that plus, that kind of effect of this pain we need to recruit transactionally just doesn't work. And I think you're absolutely right. It has to be about the longer term plan. You know, what do we we want to stand for as a business what benefits do we need to be able to offer to be able to get the right talent in why would someone come to us rather than our competitors what does our policies look like you know you've kind of got to do a lot more work nowadays to be able to to attract the right people in and then you've got to do a lot of work to retain them as well which is obviously your gig yeah and it's a two-way process isn't it you know so people turn off for interviews now they might, you know, years gone by, you turn up, you'd be interviewed and it would be kind of whether the employer would want you in the uh, business, wouldn't it? Yeah. That's completely changed. Uh, that ball game is different, isn't it? Absolutely. It's very much a two-way process now, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, I think if anything, it's probably gone a little bit more towards the candidate side. Yeah, I would probably agree. Yeah, I think I've always kind of, the kind of the 20 years that I've been in recruitment, I've always banged on about the importance of having a, you know, a 50-50 power relationship between the, the employer and their potential employee. But now with COVID happening... Um, and people really stopping what they were doing and considering what it is that they wanted for the future for themselves. They've got a choice now as well. Yeah. So now they're going in and they're going, do I want to work here as much as that person on the other side going, do I want them to work here? Yeah. And you've got to court as, a, as an employee. You've <laughs> got to is. court a lot more, you know. Yeah. You've got to kind of even just your adverts need to be appealing. But then also when you get them in and do your interviews, you can't do a traditional 60 minute interview anymore with someone because that's that won't make you stand out if yeah. they're going for multiple interviews interviews mm-hmm. uh, so that individuality you can't talk to the masses you've got to talk to the individual to be able to make them feel special or you won't get them in the you competition yeah. win them and I think that's really important actually when you've just said that that if you bring somebody in and you do a 60 minute interview with somebody and you're just literally there and you ask them question after question after question for all days that's what the employer wants to know that just doesn't cut it really yeah. for the the person who's coming who wants to do something different or mm-hmm. the business needs to stand out it's just it's just not right anymore, is it? It's just not engaging. And I think that's the whole thing about recruitment and retaining people. It's about engagement. Yeah. So it's it's about, you know, trying to make them visualise what the role is and, and how they would fit into it and what's their values and what's their culture and how's it exciting and how does it appeal to them personally? What impacts are going to have on their lives? Yeah. That's the, what, what they want to know. Yeah. They don't just want to be able to give you what's on their CV. They want to mm. be able to talk about what the impact is for them and yeah. their families. And I think that becomes a bigger piece, doesn't it, around kind of the family's element of it, as you say, since COVID. Yeah. That's had a massive impact of where people want to be and what they want to do. Mm-hmm. And the fact that they want more flexibility, they want to be at home, they sometimes want to pick the kids up from school yeah. or they need, they've got someone that they care for and they need to be mm-hmm. home to be able to help out. That's, again, changed our scope of bringing people into businesses and what people are looking forward to coming to businesses as well. Absolutely, it? 100%. I think previous to COVID, I think we, I feel really bad still saying the word COVID because we do need to get on and move on from it, but it did well, there definitely. there is a significant point it there, changed isn't it? Yeah, everything. It, it did, everything. Yeah. definitely, from our world, from from talent and sourcing, it definitely has changed things. Um, but, you know, people who thought they needed two salaries to run a household, one person was made redundant, another person was made at risk. Mm-hmm. You know, they've kind of cut their cloth differently now. They've had an opportunity to look at, right, 
what do I actually need or what did I think I needed? And that's been quite a liberating, kind of empowering thing for individuals to go, actually, I don't need to work for a paycheck anymore. Salary is still important. And because it is so competitive out there, it does become a little bit of a salary war. But lots of people aren't just looking for salaries. They're looking for, actually, I, I do want to still have that Friday off so I could be with the kids or I, or I, I do want to work two days from home because actually just COVID just stopped everything. And everyone yeah. was like, actually, what I thought I wanted and what I thought I needed, that's not important to me anymore. Something else is now. Yeah, but it's, it's took that moment of putting, you know, a, you know, a stopgap in there, isn't it, for everyone yeah. to be able to kind of take that judgment because we would never have been mm. at that point. People wouldn't have been working from home in the same way as they are now. No. You know, there's, there's so many things that have changed because of it. Yeah. Just thinking back to something that you said there about kind of that that beginning of the recruitment process. And I commented on this the other day. You're obviously recruiting at the moment. You're recruiting for your team at the I, moment. Mm-hmm. And um, your adverts, uh, you know, the, the, is that the right word to use? Cool, the funky, you know, the different, <laughs> the kind good. of, um, the, the retracting, like I'm looking at them and I kind of watch. So you do kind of a little video, don't you, kind mm-hmm. of with your team on that's there already. And, you know, the pitches that you do to, to promote your team are all, and I know you need to do this because it's what your business and your time is. <laughs> practice what you're yeah, preaching. Practice what you're preaching. <laughs> but, but, but it does get the engagement, doesn't it? You yeah. know, I see that on LinkedIn and you kind of think, oh yeah, that, that is engaging. That, that would encourage someone who's, you know, of that type who wants to come into recruitment, do something different and kind of, you know, it shows that, you know, you've got a range of different people that are working in there of, of different ages, but actually they can, the environment can be, what I'm taking from is fun, yeah. you know, enjoyable, like the interaction. And then obviously when I met with your team the other day, that's the, that's the people that they are, you know. It's that's true, a, isn't that, it? Yeah, yeah it's which is of, really important. Which is really good. So yeah. not only if you kind of, you know, sold that image of, you know, of it being cool and funky, you know, kind of, and that's the place where people want to work. I don't know whether I'm old enough to say funky, too old to say funky. <laughs> I quite like I it. I quite it's like it. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was a compliment. Um, but it's, but it's, that's what you've put out there. And then actually then meeting your team, that's what you've got as well, uh-huh. which yeah. actually just even that level of it, I think is great. Yeah. You know, the consistency of it. So yeah. what was your driver behind, you know, obviously that's, that's a part of your culture, isn't it? You mm-hmm. know, so what was your driver behind thinking that that's how you want to be seen by others? Yeah, I think when I go out and I do sessions with other businesses, I talk about the fact that, you know, smaller businesses in particular, they always say we can't compete with the likes of Google. And I'm like, but not everyone wants to work for Google. We've got to find out what it is about you that makes you individual and then the right person will want to work for you. So it's kind of a little bit like practice what you preach. So we are a smaller business. We are pretty new in our journey. We are all individuals. So it's kind of like trying to find out or what we did was try to find out what our proposition was out there, which is is something that I'm talking to every business that we're working with at the moment around. We are fun. We are entrepreneurial. We are a little bit spontaneous. We can make decisions. Funky. Yeah, funky. I'm going to totally change. I'm going to go back to the office and say, guess what, guys, they're funky. funky. Me, Alison. Alison will love that. Alison and Leslie will absolutely love that. We're funky. Um, Camille will be like, of course we are funky. What are you talking about? Sam, we've always done the worst. Uh, but uh, kind of the... the and, and also actually probably what's really important as well to say is that when we've had a look at our stats around how we engage with our audience, things to do with values and people and videos are the things that stand out and we recommend that to our clients as well. So it's a, a little bit between the what do we want to be known for out there? How are we different? Because we are very different. We're a recruitment agency. So how do we get it out there? But also what works and what works out there in social media is video, people and values, in my opinion. Um, that's what that's what works for us. Yeah, and that's what's obviously shown from your team. But then obviously you can then so we share clients as well, don't we? We've yes, got some we clients that we've kind of, that we that we both work together, um, and you can see that in what it is that they're doing. So mm-hmm. I think one of the things that um, we spoke about recently actually was we do kind of like a culture book. So I'm thinking mm, of, yes. of one of our clients up in Northumberland where and their their culture book instead of a handbook is kind of really really it's really good. It's kind mm-hmm. of very engagement. It's very much about their business and it shows that you know the, the pictures and the images that are in there I think um to me if you if I started working in that business and that was the the, the culture book the handbook that I received I'd be like all right I'm all in yes. you know kind of and actually yeah. to then mirror that in the recruitment part of the yes. strategy it's I think that's kind of a bit of a central point but then to 
you know, you, you've done kind of the beginning part of that yeah. strategy to be able to get it in there, to be able to encourage the people in. Mm-hmm. So when they're in, they've got that culture built together, yeah. isn't it? I think it's really important that you follow that circle round. So mm-hmm. we talk about in our worlds, we talk about employee cycles. Yeah. I think it starts right at recruitment. It starts right at the brand and bit, right as the kind of the shop window, really, when people are looking into your business. And then it needs to go throughout everything that you do with people. Yeah. So if I think if it becomes disjointed when you just use your values, for example, just in just in the job description or just it has to actually be in every single bit so that's when you live and breathe something that's when it becomes the culture Mm -hmm. so yeah kind of bang on about the fact that it has to be it has to be consistent if you're going to talk about it in one thing let's not make it a surprise let's talk about it in every single thing let's work out what's important to us and make sure that we do it from the start to the end yeah and when we say about doing it in all of the things, I mean, it is things like making sure that your job descriptions show yes. that you value in your culture. Absolutely. Things like your performance management, like your yes. KPIs and kind of your deliverables. Yeah. And it's it's about making sure that that consistency is there, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Like if we go out there and say, for example, our business, we're individuals, but we come together, we've got the same values. You know, things like internally from a, an, an employee's perspective, we make joint decisions on things. They're things that we stand by that we continuously do to make sure that we we have that ethos and we are that kind of business. I really believe one of the benefits as well over the past few years is a lot of the polish that's and hierarchy that was historically there has kind of gone, which means that people don't need to have sleepless nights for unnecessary stress. If you could just be honest and be a little bit vulnerable every now and again, actually it breeds a really nice culture where everyone can have a say, everyone can have opinions and everyone can just look after each other. And actually it makes for a much better working environment and people will stay with you because they believe in what you do and how you manage them. So, yeah. Do you, would you help a business kind of look at the culture and the values as you're going in and talking about their initial kind of yeah. what they need to do and kind of working with them? Is that is that one of the first starting points that you yeah. just discuss from there? And how do you do that with yeah, them? Yeah, really? absolutely. Usually when we get a first inquiry, it'll be because a client or a business is, is struggling to recruit and they've got vac- like vacancies out there that they just can't find the right people for. And that tends to be the first foot in the door. And what we realise very quickly or what they realise and we help them to realise actually is why are people leaving in the first place? You know, what does your exit interview say? What are you doing? What's, what's, what's around the internal piece at the moment that you're offering that? And making people leave or you're not getting the people that you're looking to bring into the business um so we kind of we kind of run recruitment campaigns because obviously they've got some burning needs that need to be filled there and now and um, while we're doing that we work strategically with them to understand what has happened internally that then can have an impact on recruitment so we do quite a lot of listening groups and we do a lot of um just going and visiting and feeling it and being part of it. So an example is we've got a new we've got a new client that we've been working with just for a couple of months. They were struggling to recruit in the northwest. Um, they've got a northeast office as well. We went down to the northwest, which was a five a.m. start, and we weren't heading to the airport. I was gutted. Do you know when you get up at that time in the morning to get it's ready? Okay to go to the You're airport. like, it's, it's all right. I got the airport, but I wasn't. I was just going on the one down to, to Manchester with the team, and we went in and we spoke to people. We talked to people about, you know, why did they choose to work there over someone uh, over their competitors or somewhere else that could have that, that they could have got their skill set. We had some time with their senior management team and talked about what they thought and what was the mission of the business and what are the values and do we live and breathe them. We did a lot of work with them just to really understand what it is about that office, why we were potentially struggling, some recommendations that we could make. So now, kind of the work on the back of that is kind of going in with the senior leadership team across the full group and talking about actually maybe got a little bit of work to do there on culture maybe got some training to do there values are not installed within that business maybe need to do a little bit more communication just again just to try and make it so when we do get the individuals in that they do stay because we've covered all the elements of of you know what we are what that business is what it's about what it offers yeah and I think that values piece I'm just thinking one of the the large organizations that I've just been working with is a Japanese company, um, they've had quite a, quite a few issues and concerns over recent months. And one of my things was, again, you know, kind of what, from that recruitment element of, well, what are you putting out there, yeah. you know? But actually, what, what are the company values? And they're like, oh, we've got a book somewhere. We've got a book. And they went off and found this book, that was, yeah. you know, and give me the book. And I said, oh, does anybody know what's in the book? <laughs> it's always issued a few years ago. I said, all right, that's that's great. That. So, so, But it, it goes to show that these big companies don't always have, mm-hmm. you know, a, a culture is created because yes. of because of everyday-to-day, everyday-to-day life and kind of mm-hmm. how people are coming and going within it. But mm-hmm. 
from the from the point of view of actually what's the fundamental values of the business, nobody would be able to tell you what they no, are. No. And I think that's a real important point of like how do you how do you suggest that those yeah. type of things are installed into people, you know, talking to people and kind of what what do you what do you make suggestions of how yeah. how well, it becomes embedded really? Well, what we do is we'll run a, an AVP and employee value proposition session with the senior team, but we'll also do listening groups with the internal team. Right. So we kind of send out a questionnaire that asks them what they think, because I have worked in other businesses as well where the the senior team just tell you what the values are and they just and put they them just on a wall. Know, they? they put them on a wall and then uh-huh. you look at this wall and you're like, oh, that's it, that's uh-huh. it. And then when you have particularly bad days, you're like, that's not what our values are. Yeah. So I think it's about trying to get the buy-in from the internal team to hear their reasons and and kind of the senior team will have their ideas on what they want their business to stand for but it's more important about what the living and breathing of the people who are actually in the roles, what they think. So we get their insight by doing one-to-ones and a questionnaire and then we sit with the senior leadership team and talk to them about what they want to be known for out there as representing the business that they've created and then we put them together and say actually it feels like this and and try to kind of marry it together so it's not any corporate office in London or wherever who are kind of spouting these values it's actually owned by the individuals because then when you start going back into recruitment and you start sharing things and adverts and it's got wording on that individuals within the team have have actually come up with themselves they're more likely to share that tell their friends spread it around their network because they've been part of it so it's kind of just explaining to the senior team look if we get the buy-in and we understand what the reality is it will help you not just have your name at the helm when it comes to how are we going to recruit everyone will be proud of it it'll be true and therefore everyone will push it forward together yeah, it's about people taking ownership for what it is that they're doing, isn't it? Absolutely, 100%. Yeah. And people do want to take ownership. Just sometimes we forget or we're too busy to ask them what yeah. they think. And I think that engagement of bringing people into it, I think, is really yeah. an important point, isn't it? Because that's yeah. where people are going to buy into it more, isn't it? Because I think, oh, yeah, I was part of that. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I, I engage with that element of it yeah. as well, isn't it? So they, they get that interaction and, huh. as you say, start promoting it themselves. Yeah, um, absolutely. And also those people have come to work for the business and you probably want similar people to them. So if you find out why they want to work for the business in the first instance and what's important to them and what we think we could do better and all of that sort of stuff, you can then get your audience tone right when you want to speak to the similar people to get them into the business because that's basically about finding your candidate personas and the people that you're looking for and speaking in the same way um, and sometimes as a leader in the business you're not you're not going to try and attract someone similar to you you're trying to attract similar people to the people who are already in your organization so using their words and their voices and stuff it's going to be so much more beneficial than using what how you see it yeah and Does I that think that's sense? yeah yeah completely and yeah. I think people do exactly that, don't they? I'm just thinking when you said about, you know, an owner of the business or a senior person in the business would sometimes just try and recruit somebody who yeah. <laughs> is a bit of a mirror image of yeah. them or somebody that thing. And actually there's been several times over the years that I've gone, oh, why did you make really... that recruitment no. choice? That doesn't, you've just recruited you again. Yeah. And actually that's not always uh-uh. what's needed, is it? Because no. you don't get the, you don't get the challenge. You don't get the, the difference mm-hmm. of what you need to be able to take the business forward and to be able to I suppose do the day-to-day as well isn't it and I think you get a little bit frustrated if you try and recruit someone like you you expect them to think like you yeah but they don't no one thinks like you so then you start kind of judging them on the fact that you thought they were similar so that poor individual actually is off to a bit of a bad start yeah whereas if you identify that it's just someone different to me then their opinions and stuff are a lot more kind of creative and they come out trying to kind of create little machines and pots of people who are exactly the same doesn't kind of give any room for that creativity and that kind of that kind of growth of different opinions and diverse people and perspectives okay so we're at the point whereby you've done kind of that that value piece and you've done the culture piece with them and you've tried to embed it a little bit more then then what would you do I mean obviously so you've got some recruitment needs what what would you then do then you would start looking at all of the material that you use to recruit and you would pull it all out and you would use the messaging that you would agree that was the consistent messaging that you wanted out there on behalf of your business. So things like your values, things like your mission, things like your journey so far, you know, talking about the fact that you've been in business for the last 11 years and you've grown from this to this and you've got a turnover of this to this and your, your directors are, are award-winning or whatever it is that is the USP and the proposition that has been agreed because your internal team have said what they think and your senior team have all sat around a 
table and agreed that it's the same message, you'd put that into all the materials again to make sure it was consistent. So job adverts, you'd pick those back up and you'd go write the first two paragraphs and every single job advert is going to look similar. It's going to have the same words, same phrases, same feel. So that when people have a look at your adverts, they're like, yes, I know which business that belongs to. It belongs to the business that I'd seen recruiting six months ago. Um, You'd also tie it into your social media strategy. So it wasn't just vacancy after vacancy after vacancy that was going over social media channels. It would be, right, actually we're saying that we're about people in the proposition. Therefore, let's get some stuff about people on our social media to break that up, just having vacancy after vacancy. Um, You'd look at things like your careers page. You know, when people are going to research who you are and do they want to work in the organisation, is what we've agreed is the values, the culture, the proposition, is that in your careers page? Job packs, all of that sort of stuff. And like, as you mentioned there, like your staff handbooks, it kind of goes into that element and it starts to go into, you know, what is your performance? Um, what does, you know, when you're doing your quarterly reviews, how do your values tie into that? Um, and that's when it kind of steps into your kind of specialism rather than mine. But it's it's kind of starting that people process yeah. so that further on up through the employee cycle, they're getting that agreement that everyone has agreed that they stand for through every kind of vein of that. And do you think that makes a difference? Obviously, one of the, the big issues now is obviously skills gap, isn't it? You know, yeah. In fact, it's not just a sales gap. There's just not enough people to do the jobs that are available anymore at the moment. Yeah. So so how do you think that it's impacted upon, you know, I mean, obviously you've got two avenues there. You've got sales gap and you've got, you know, the, the number of people available to do the jobs. And as we said there at the beginning, that conversation of actually, do I want to work for you or do you want to work for me? You know, kind mm-hmm. of that, that conversation. How do you think that that's impacted against all of, you know, the work that you can do there around that value and culture? What, mm-hmm. what How do you think that makes a difference? Yeah, I think it's a couple of things. So firstly, I think if you're doing all that kind of strategic work about who you are, then being able to recruit the people that you're looking for, you'd have a much better chance at doing that over your competitors. But then secondly, I think having those conversations, those longer term holistic conversations also helps you kind of come up with how how are you going to tackle that problem because we know it's not going to go away. So is it that actually we want to be the business that wants to invest in the future of the region or our industry and we might set up a future a future talent programme. You know, should we get graduates and put a graduate programme together or should we do the apprenticeship programme because the apprenticeship levy has just opened up so many routes to different kind of qualifications that are now available through apprenticeship routes. It's around kind of, if we sit at that table and we talk about, as an employer, I want to be known for... Um, changing the reputation of the industry okay right well how are you going to do that through recruiting people and how are you going to lead that by by bringing something to the industry so you can start coming up with some suggestions around you want 100% this person's 100% actually we know that that's probably not going to be possible so what is the plan b how does that tie into your values how does that tie into your mission how does that tie into the longer term plan if we're investing someone for a year or two years but in third in the third year they'll be highly effective and actually you'll have a succession plan there and you'll have people who will stay with you forever Okay, so, so it's it's quite an interesting process element of it, really, isn't it? Because I was just thinking while you were talking there that actually, if if there's a company that's out there and they're doing all of that, you know, and they're kind of they're really pushing themselves and and not just the recruitment, as in we've got this job, we've got this vacancy, uh-huh. we've got this, but actually drip feeding through that with your people side of things or your culture or your values, kind of putting that into that, that will make the company stand out, won't it? Oh, Which means that for all it's yeah. a small job market, actually. The people will be kind of more inclined to go, oh, actually, I've seen yeah. that company advertise. I've seen them yeah. do it before. They're consistent in their approach. And, uh-huh. and everybody inevitably looks back on social media now, don't mm. they? And kind of like looking through to be able yeah. to think, does that work? Does that not? You know, yeah. kind of, it, is that a fit for me? Because ultimately, a lot of this now is about, are you the employee, the right fit for the employer mm-hmm. from a cultural and values yeah, point, isn't it? Absolutely. That that's why people will be retained. If if you're paying the right salary and you've got the right bonus scheme, but you haven't got the right values, people still they won't stay. Sure. So I think it's first and foremost the values and the culture and then the benefits and the remuneration is kind of secondary. Yeah. Um but I think that kind of feel as a as a as talent kind of out there 
being shouted at from different angles by different employers. They want to get the feel from the business to be like, actually, I can see myself sitting next to that person on that advert with a big smiley face. Yeah. You know, it's that. I can relate. Like, it's visual, it's yeah. visual, isn't it? It's visual. It's it's very kind of emotional. It's that feel in the pit of your stomach of, if I'm going to leave my kids, if I'm going to leave my puppy, if I'm going to leave these people at home, I want to work in a really good bunch of people who have got something similar to me. Yeah. And that's why it all needs to be articulated really well and agreed up front to be able to put in your advert and any kind of kind of marketing material that is to attract people to bring people into the business isn't it and just make you stand out absolutely because uh-huh. if you just go black and white job description paste it into an advert template yeah. you've got no chance no and I think one of our clients was quite very resistant around putting you know they would put kind of quite standard um, vacancies out but they'll never put the salaries out on it as oh, well it drives me insane no that does me as well and from speaking to them I was very much like no one need to make sure the salaries mm. are on there because actually I don't know, the job might be, you know, a, a 18 grand a year job when actually these people are on, that happened to a situation with one of my friends and she was like, I'm really interested in that job. And I was thinking, it's not on, you know, you're on £32,000 a year, but actually this job's only 18. I knew what the, the, the amount that the money was in the role, but actually, I'm, you know, that person could have gone along, they could have put the time in, put their effort in mm-hmm. to be able to fill out an application form or do a CV or do your covering letter and spend you know, people might spend three or four hours to yeah. be able to get that right because the right impression they want to make. Mm-hmm. And then all comes to all, complete gap of the, the salary side of yeah. things. What do you think about that side of things? Oh, gosh. How long have you got? <laughs> uh, every single client that we go into, we talk about this as one of the first things. I think if anyone says that they've got values of honesty, integrity, all of those kind of buzzwords that I'm like, let's get away from those words and let's talk about something that's real. But if they were originally those words, I'd be like, so why don't we tell people about the salaries? Yeah. I just don't get it. I think it shows individuals looking at them that you've got something potentially to hide even if you haven't Um, and a lot of the the kind of messages I get back when I challenge it is that oh well someone internally has paid this so we need to be careful that we don't cheese them off and again it goes back to values around just have a conversation with that Mm -hmm. individual and if they want to apply they can apply for it and if they haven't got the skills then that's why the salary's higher let's just be honest and transparent and let's just let, let people kind of yeah, you, when you talk about the whole time wasted thing, it's a huge, a huge thing. And I think from a reputation perspective, it can ruin your reputation. And you've got to also remember that these people might be customers as well. So yeah. depending on what your product is or your service is, if you cheese them off because you just have chosen to not be honest what, for whatever reason, they might not use your brand or and apply for a role again with you. Yeah. Um, and anyone who apply, anyone who puts adverts out on the likes of Indeed will say that you already get hundreds of people who just want to have a chance of putting their CVs in. And if none of them know what the salary is, you're going to get even more that are going yeah. to come into your inbox that you're going to have to go through. And if you want to be a good employer, you will respond to all of them. I was good, that was what good luck in responding yeah. to a thousand people who are just going, I'll see what the salary is. And you could have taken out 800 of those people if you'd just been honest and told them what the salary bracket was. Yeah. I mean, I was thinking about it from the context of, you know, going through and actually filling out your, your application form or spending two, three, four hours on something. And then actually some some companies just don't respond. Uh-huh. I think it's just so rude. Yeah. Um, you know, but some people go, oh, it's not ideal for our job. So they just put the put it to one side, don't they? And yeah. actually, you know, someone has taken the time. And, and if you think of lives, lives are busy. Everybody's yeah. busy, aren't they? You know, yeah. we're all, you know, going at it continuously each and every day. And actually for someone to take that amount of time to fill the application form out, mm-hmm. it's a very difficult situation that they come in where they think, well, what's the point in doing that? Yeah. Somebody couldn't, they couldn't even be bothered to respond. Absolutely. So yeah. it is closing the gap it on that, isn't it? It is closing it? the gap. But it's kind of, you would do it with your customers. So why wouldn't you do yeah. it with your people? So yeah. I don't understand why sometimes things are seen differently. Like when you do your strategy for how you're going to find new um, customers, why don't you do your strategy on how you're going to find new people? Yeah. But instead you do the transaction stuff on trying to find people and then you do all the strategy on the customer bit Mm -hmm. so if you thought your reputation was going to be tarnished for the customer you would do absolutely everything to retain them why wouldn't you do that with a person who's looking at you and going you know I believe in that brand that's why I want to put an advert that's why I want why I want to apply to that advert and then you give them nothing back because you're tarnishing your reputation you're tarnishing the brand Mm -hmm. but I think that goes back to your your question about if you don't put salaries on then you're just going to invite lots of people through that you cannot manage all of the responses and that ultimately will hurt, yeah. hurt the business's perception. It is. I, I just think that, that a business can let themselves down quite yeah, easily. Because 
you know, everybody knows everybody, don't they? You know, so it kind of, it just becomes a conversation, oh, I applied for a job there, but actually they didn't bother responding to us and people think, oh, well. It's embarrassing as well, isn't it? I remember, Mm -hmm. I remember a while back, obviously before I set up my business, I remember putting an application in somewhere and feeling like, oh my goodness, it's quite, especially if you're employed Mm -hmm. and good people are employed. So if a good person was going to come out, reach out, put the head above the parapet and go, right, I'm going to apply for that. You tell people. Mm -hmm. So you'll sit around the kitchen table and go, oh, do you know what? I'm just going to say, I'm going to put my CV and say what happens and then the next family meeting that you're at so what happened with that oh you heard nothing it's mm. just a bit embarrassing yeah, it's it just is. a little bit like oh maybe I shouldn't have said anything and, and, and people do keep that close like cards yeah. close the chest when it comes to that doesn't yeah. it because they don't necessarily want to over advertise that that's what they've done is no. it you know like to even to family or friends because mm-hmm. people do come back to you to say well did you hear what anything happened? what happened and you're like oh nothing and then you feel a bit rubbish uh-huh. and then you feel a bit let down by the brand <laughs> and then you feel like I'm not applying to them again uh-huh, yeah but it knocks your confidence <laughs> oh as well, it does it, it uh-huh. does absolutely yeah. and recruitment should never be about that that's why I chose recruitment over HR <laughs> <laughs> it's all the positive stuff Louise <laughs> I try to be positive. <laughs> Absolutely. You're just a lot more patient than me, I think. <laughs> I do try. <laughs> no, but, but I think that's a part of the element, isn't it? You know, that the recruitment is, is bringing the right people into the business and then mm-hmm. my, uh, uh, part of it is really managing the people once they're in there, isn't it? It is, uh, but 100%. It's, uh, yeah, and it's it's that kind of mix, but getting that recruitment element of it right to get the right person in the business enables the you know, the, the HR element of it, the people management to be a completely different experience. Absolutely. I think, so obviously we've got examples around kind of HR, you know, our management of kind of the people element of it. And we've got a, a particular situation where we've got somebody who's um, been in the company for maybe it's four or five years and they, the, the the whole relationship started to devolve, dissolve down now. So it's people are upset by it. There's there's allegations that are put into there. There's um, bullying, intimidation. You know, the, it, it just it creates such an atmosphere. And actually, mm-hmm. it's a, a really difficult situation to deal with from a people management point of mm-hmm. view. And actually, kind of backtracking through, it's kind of you know thinking about those culture and values and whether people fit, mm-hmm. you know, in the organisation to at the, at the beginning, isn't it? And yeah. you know, and people people for the first few months might think, oh yeah, yeah, this is me. I can I can do this. But actually, longer term, that's mm-hmm. not always the situation, is it? You know, it's got to be about what your core beliefs and values are Absolutely. to be able to work within that business, isn't it? Yeah, 100%. I think those things can't be changed. You can work on skills and you can work on experience, but you can't work on people's approach and what they morally feel in the, in the pit of their stomachs. And I do think that people underestimate the importance of recruitment and getting that bit done right so that actually they can kind of solve that problem later on down the line of the kind of impact of getting the wrong recruit through the door. So like you say, you know, disrupting the people around them, upsetting people, people going on sick, all of that sort of stuff, you know, could have potentially been avoided, avoided. Yeah, uh-huh. if we'd maybe spent a little bit more time thinking about, right, what is important to us and who are we and what do we stand for and what is the culture and the values of the business? And there are none, we're not going to compromise on that. Individual needs to come through with those with examples of how they live and breathe that themselves in their daily life, mm-hmm. never mind just their work life. Yeah. And I think some companies just end up with a bit of a quick fix, don't they? Oh, the thing. I can't do the, grip, the, the, the quick fix thing. It is like a bandage, that, isn't it? Oh, it absolutely is. And I think you're just, you're just waiting for... The trouble to hit the fan. Yeah, it is. <laughs> yeah. Very well put. Thank you. <laughs> but, it, but it is that, it isn't is, it? It's it kind is. of actually, you, it you never think, works. No, we need somebody, we're quick, we need them, you know, we're no. desperate and so. But actually, sometimes wait, and that's, uh-huh. you know, a month or two. I think, as you said before, kind of that element of, you know, people who are employed, you know, are very often, a, you know, a, a good candidate, oh you know, that the, the, they'll be what the, their yeah. employers will be holding on to them. They yeah. won't be your active candidate who's sitting there saying, I can start tomorrow. Yeah. These people will wait for the right proposition. So doing the legwork and doing all the work in advance will absolutely attract the people who are the people that you want, really. And I just just think that whole kind of transactional aspect of recruitment is exactly why I won't get involved in any bun fights over vacancies. We, at Talent Heads, we never go and try and find job after job after job after job. Mm -hmm. We don't want hundreds of clients with one or two jobs each. We want to work with businesses who will be recruiting steadily, but actually want to recruit 
properly, yeah. strategically. They want to look at building their businesses through people that are on a growth strategy and they want to do the right things rather than, oh, I, I need the, I need CVs tomorrow. Well, actually an agency could do that for you, but yeah. are they going to be the right CVs? How are they going to speak to the candidates on your behalf? What they're telling the candidates, is that what you want the candidate to know? What are the what are the key messages? What have you, how have you briefed that agency? So there's, there's yeah, the transactional, very quick fix, I don't think works for anyone. No, and I, I just think from that point of view of getting that bum on a seat, uh-huh. you know, it's yeah. just, it just goes wrong from quite, a, I mean, sometimes it works, you know, don't get us wrong, sometimes it does work, but, you know, it can go wrong quite quickly and yeah. for the sake of sometimes waiting, yeah. you know, a month or two yeah. months to be able to get that right person into the role. Sometimes I think that's kind it's of, worth it's it. so important. It's, it's absolutely a long-term worth gain, it. isn't it, really? Yeah, it, it really is. And the impact, like you mentioned before, is so huge if it doesn't go right. Yeah. I mean, it's such a heartache and I think definitely as an owner of a business, when things go wrong with your people, it hurts personally. It does, especially when you're a small business. Yeah. I think you're kind of, you can't help but take offence. It's personal. You yeah. kind of feel as if, right, is this something that I'm doing? You start questioning yourself, your confidence levels, all of that sort of stuff. Whereas if you actually, if you can make a peace with the fact that if someone didn't work out for a different reason other than we should have recruited better, then that's okay. You can let that one go. But yeah. if it's like I knew in the interview that something just wasn't right, something wasn't pinging right or that person said something I was like oh that's controversial to what our values are trust it yeah because that's where you start from isn't it <laughs> yeah that's what it's about yeah. ultimately isn't it yeah absolutely I think it was interesting what you said um just towards the beginning there was around the you don't always have to have that right person at the very beginning as far as you might do a graduate program yeah. or you might a program as such but you might you might just take a, one or two graduates on mm-hmm. but you've got a longer term aim for them so it might be a case that actually you start them as being a graduate but then you kind of your aim is in two years time this is this is what you want them to be mm-hmm. how do you support a business with doing that because actually it's all well and good and again a few of our businesses said all right take a graduate on now and they're going to be x in in two years time but well, they haven't got a plan in between times. Yeah. And we kind of say, well, you need to start doing this. And but so what what type yeah. of advice do you give around that support element yeah. of it? I think I think you've got to be realistic. So I think depending on the size of the business will depend on the expectation of the candidate. So a smaller business, you know, kind of less than 10 employees, they're not expecting you to have a plan for the next 12 months of a rotation here, a, a shadowing here, or going on site here. It doesn't need to be as thought through. No, actually, it's not. It's not thought through. Probably doesn't need to be as scheduled as it's that like and formal. Yeah, yeah, but it definitely needs to be thought through. Mm-hmm. So that proposition to that kind of graduate coming in is that it's entrepreneurial. You get to you get to kind of choose your own path. You know, we bring the right people in, but then you know we work together to be able to get you to this future leader status, and you'll help us do that. It, it's I suppose it's about a different proposition. Whereas your bigger businesses, you know, there will the candidates will be expecting you to be able to demonstrate what it is that you're going to actually offer them compared to the competitors. So for example, accountancy is a great one for this. Accountancy firms love to bring graduates in every single year and you've got your big four who are going to have a very scheduled programme of in your first three months you'll do this, six months, nine months, 12 months. And if you aren't thinking that way, candidates will see you in a different way and won't apply to your programme. So I suppose the expertise that we can bring is that kind of acknowledgement of what your competition is outside. So we work with businesses at all different sizes. So the advice we would give to one business compared to another business would be very different depending on their sector and their and their and their size, really. And then it would be around, right, okay, the expectation is for you, Mr. Business Owner, that actually you do have a program and therefore KPMG's programme looks like this and then this programme looks like this. So actually the proposition out there to go out and recruit someone is is that we've thought this through, we put pen to paper and we've got something that's scheduled. Whereas on the other side, it could be very much a Mrs. Mrs. Startup business. You want to have a graduate programme because or a graduate scheme or whatever it is that you want to call it because actually you know there's a skill shortage and you want to be the responsible person to be able to get that skill shortage up and, and help contribute to that. Therefore, we need to be aware that we need individuals who are entrepreneurial, X, Y, and Z. That's the proposition. Get them in. I suppose it's about setting expectations. And I suppose it's about being able to be aware of what's outside of your bubble so that your proposition is bigger than someone else's proposition who will want the same person as you. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, completely. Because I think yeah. you, you then, as you say, you're looking at the same you know pool of candidates, aren't you? You're looking yeah. at the same graduates yeah. potentially. But 
what's going to make your business stand out as opposed to somebody else's to make sure that that engagement's there for them, isn't it? Absolutely, because everyone, people won't just be going for one direction. People will be sitting there looking and going, right, I want to work for a smaller business because of X, Y and Z, or I want to work for a bigger business because of X, Y and Z. So it's not as if you'll have thousands of people all applying for every single role. They won't do that. They'll apply for the one that is personal for them, that hits the mark for them. So again, it's about that honesty and that verbalisation and articulation around what it is that your proposition is to get the right person who wants that. And I think that comes, I'm just thinking uh, a couple of weeks ago, I made someone uh, redundant who was about 23, 24. He'd done his degree and was working in this particular business. But then he was leaving that business, obviously, with making him redundant. But he didn't know what he wanted to do next, you know, oh, like, so yeah. by the time I saw him to do the second stage consultation, he says, oh, I've applied for like five different jobs and the range of the jobs were like so big. But actually, what I'm just thinking in the context of what you're saying is that Actually, if he had applied for, you know, two or three different graduate programs if or, or, or opportunities, then the, the pathways could be very, very different yes. from to engage with. So actually it's harder for him. Yeah, definitely. And yeah. Uh, but at least he could potentially get the buy-in because he'd think, actually, no, that sounds really interesting. Because he wasn't, um, probably not the right word, but not fussed yeah. on what he was going to do next because he didn't have a strong desire of what his job needed to be. Yeah. He was very open to what was available. So I, yeah. and there'll be many young people that are in that yeah. situation, won't there? Yeah, there will be. And I, I suppose it's very much like what we suggest to employers. It would be for candidates around you know, find out what people say around you, find out who you are, try and understand what it is that you enjoy and what you don't enjoy. You know, try and put as many real life situations into it as possible to be able to to spend the time to consider the roles you want to go for because the employer on the other side will know if you really want it or not. Yeah. And unfortunately, it doesn't matter how much we educate employers about how candidate-led it is, they still will think, do I want that person in the business or not? So you need to, the candidate needs to show that they are interested in that business specifically and that's why they should be the candidate who's successful. So I think it's just a bit about if you apply for lots of different things as a candidate, it will be diluted. The intention, the the kind of way that it will be received will, you can see yeah. that it's diluted mm-hmm. and you won't stand out. So I suppose it's about both sides standing out, employers standing out and candidates standing out by knowing what it is that they want. Um but again, my, my thoughts on that would be speak to people who know you well. Do you like structure and rigour? Do you like policy and practice? Then you're probably better in a bigger organisation. Do you like to think on your feet? Do you want to work in a business where your heart's racing all the time? Do you not mind a bit of risk? That's maybe a smaller business. So just starting to try and identify who you are and where your values are will lead you down. Down a particular pathway, yeah, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh, so it would help really people understand and structure what they're future needs to look like as well because if people are looking for stability you know you you kind of know as a job seeker what it is that you're looking for you're looking for a good just salary a salary that's all that that matters to you right okay well then that takes you down one route but are you so that means that you're not really that bothered about staying around for a long time somewhere yeah so there's loads of questions that you can ask yourself and just be true to yourself around actually what is the thing that's going to make you happy because it's all about happiness at the end yeah, and being a, about being able to do it and obviously we've talked about kind of graduates from that talent exercise um what about other people within the business obviously you you know you specialize in the talent element and the support that you provide there as well so do you find that other companies are doing um are, are putting people through talent opportunities or are, are kind of people coming into the roles and the they think, right, okay, we're filled. we've got that bum on the seat and get, yeah. they're going to fit with the culture and things. But are people wanting to develop people? What's your thoughts on that? I think I think when you go through your, your EVP, so if you go through your employee value proposition, then you, t- you start to look at you have one, of, one of the kind of five strands that I talk about is career. And one of the careers is what do you want to be known for? Do you want to be known for someone who develops people or do you want to be known for someone who ha- offers stable employment, for example? If you're saying that you want to be known as developing people, you need to stand by that. So things like that, um, when I've worked with businesses and they've identified that they do want to progress people and they want a good succession plan and and they're proud of the people who have stayed because they've gone from one role to another role or they've gone sideways and upwards, we look at things like skill matrices around being able to explain to people how they can grow within the business and which job descriptions are when we're looking at policies and stuff. So from a process perspective, to go from one level to another level to another level, what's additional on the job description that you would need to be able to go to that next level? And what does that equate to when it comes to a salary? What does that equate to when it comes to actually going and being part of a training programme or an apprenticeship or or something like that? Um, 
a lot of the businesses that I'm working with, because they are growing businesses, they do use a lot of development people to keep and retain people. Retained, yeah. yeah. So like with the apprenticeship levy, you know, use get people even degree degrees through that route is something to be able to retain people. Um and yeah, being able to communicate with those people who have said that they are looking for a progressive employer is being able to show them how they will progress throughout the business. So we definitely help with recommending even things like mentors, yeah, mentors, mm-hmm, buddies, yeah. you know, all that stuff around just trying to share and pull people in and keep them, keep their arms around them and don't let anyone else get them because yeah. it's just so important that that happens. That's like stays, isn't it? I think from a, um, I'm just thinking back when I worked in automotive uh, several years back now, we used to do an awful lot of succession planning because mm-hmm. we had about 150 people in the business and it was about very much the people that we've got, how can we move them through, you know, mm-hmm. and, and we had some great successes of people coming in and kind of your, your minimum wage operator and leaving as being kind of a quality engineer and being able to take that next step or being able to leave and as leave as kind of a, a lead production supervisor and being able to be a production manager elsewhere. And actually there's a, there's a real... You know, uh, a real sense of achievement from the point Absolutely. of view of the business being able to do yeah. that. And from, uh, for me, you know, from yeah. a HR point of view that actually, you know, would, would given people these opportunities over time and actually yeah. w- upon leaving, they were financially a lot better off. They had so much more yeah. knowledge. They had the skills and the ability and, and kind of they had more opportunities to be able to go and move on to as well. Yeah. So, so there's quite a big element of yeah. that. And there's a real big point around succession planning if you get yeah. it right, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And I think, I mean, oh goodness me, I think this is probably a very big statement. Um, but it, it does tend to be a little bit easier to recruit more junior team members mm-hmm. that you can then invest in and you're kind of more likely to get it right because if you make a big appointment and it goes wrong it goes really wrong yeah um so if you if you kind of bring people in and nurture them not only will you get their commitment because you've invested them in them financially and from a development perspective but also you will you're more likely to fill the gaps but you'll fill them on a longer term basis so it just makes more sense yeah it mm-hmm. makes everyone feel nice it's it's got a good feel about it that you're developing people but then from a risk perspective on as a business owner or senior stakeholder in a business it's a less risky route yeah and you've got the buy-in from the employee oh absolutely they'll always be thankful their yeah. families will be thankful uh-huh. you know you, you kind of depending on what you want to build your culture to be you know that to me is quite important yeah that because people we, around you yeah. are proud of that person working for your business that's yeah. that's that's how word of mouth gets out there and reputations are built. Yeah. And it's just the buy-in from the employee means that they're going to stay, doesn't it? That Absolutely. retention part of it again, that, you know, the people are there, aren't they? They, mm-hmm. they want to stay, they want to engage and they're mm-hmm. invested in the business, isn't it? And they'll tell their friends. Yeah. And really what you're looking for when you're looking at recruitment is that your speculative inquiries, people are constantly putting applications in saying, I don't know if you're recruiting yet, but I want to work for I you. I want to work for you. It'll come from people talking about how brilliant you are as an employer. Yeah. That's what I say to all the businesses that we work for. I, I, I'm always like, right, when we get that inbox flooded with speculative CVs, we have done it. Yeah. <laughs> We've achieved. <laughs> yeah. We don't need to put adverts out. We're getting uh-huh. people who have got the right values, who can see the benefit of working in this business and they're coming directly yeah. to us. I do remember back in automotive days where we actually we needed a whole new shift to be able to operate mm. and we didn't do one piece of advertising oh, there we, we, literally, go. we literally put you know and just said family and friends you know just who wants Love to come it. work for us that is um, like a, oh <laughs> and it was literally we got 30 staff you know so and we did a whole shift and it was, yeah. it was kind of I mean obviously you're kind of going through the CVs but the fact that you know mm. kind of recommendations and don't yeah. get us wrong I'm not a massive fan a fan of recruiting people who are family members you've got to be careful and, yeah you've got to be very yeah. careful of how it's done um, but, you know, from that element of it, it was actually, it was really good for us. Mm-hmm. You know, it was yeah. recommendations that came through. So it cost, didn't cost yeah. us anything to, yeah. to recruit that new shift That's of people. Brilliant. Yeah. We're doing something similar with a business up in Waller um, mm-hmm. in Northumberland. Um, we, they've been, they're opening a brand new facility, a new experience centre, a brilliant brand, lots of investment in there. And what they've been doing, what, we're their internal recruitment team. We've spent the last few months and they've spent the last few years just warming up the community being out there, being seen, sponsoring things, giving back to the local community. They've got a shop on the shop front just saying, we're here if anyone's got any questions about what this means for the, for the community. And um, We've had open days. And the last open day we went to, I think Alison, one of my team members, recorded we saw 102 people within a five-hour space because the messaging out there, we've just been so present, walking yeah. around, giving kids flags, you know, just doing things that engage with the community where the local community goes, 
actually they've got a really good ethos. I want to be part of it. So we're releasing 50 roles in the next six weeks. And we think the majority of those will come from people who have followed over the last couple of years and definitely the last couple of months. Yeah. And that is such what a success. achievement, I was oh, going to say. That's brilliant, brilliant achievement, The pride though, yeah. the pride of it. And then it comes back to the importance of managing that. So anyone who's not successful, who's followed that journey for so long, how you deal with that person's extremely important. Yeah, because they're in the community. They yeah. kind of, you need to make sure that the interaction's right, isn't it? Yeah, the reputation's managed and that they get a nice taste in their mouth, even if they're not successful. Yeah. Um, but that's that's exactly what you're aiming for. If your brand's strong, your employer brand's strong and you're out there and and you're real and you're authentic and people can feel you, that's what will help you recruit in the yeah, longer term and it. recruit the right people. Yeah, I completely agree, completely agree. So just obviously going through what you've discussed there, obviously we've talked about loads of different aspects of what you can do within the recruitment element and I think there's, there's so many um, positives that you've been able to come up with there as well. Do you want to just really, it in, it in essence falls under like a recruitment strategy, doesn't it? Yeah. And can you just explain about what you, what that would be and how that would look for a business? If they're thinking, right, okay, I've listened to all of this. Well, how can we pull that together? And, and what is a recruitment strategy? What yeah. would it look like? Yeah. So for me, um, I think the strategy, the recruitment strategy is about your plan and your longer term. So basically it's about kind of stopping the transactional stuff and starting to look at the bigger picture. So start to look at things like what is your employee value proposition? Um, what is your brand that you want to be out there? What does your adverts look like? How are you, where? Are you the channels that you're going to advertise your roles on and for what reasons? Um, what's your values look like? And are they actually what your audience wants to look for? There's there's lots of work that you need to do before you even put pen to paper and say, I've got a role there. So it's about kind of working on what's the mission? What's the journey? What are we as a business that we want to go out there and we want to represent? And then how do we, at every part of the recruitment cycle, reaffirm what those things that we've agreed that we stand for are in every single part of that journey. So obviously it's important to have the recruitment strategy there, which obviously um, is really what you've just covered there and obviously all the important aspects of it. And that really will help people to attract and, and get the best talent that they can to be able to join within the business. And it's also about thinking around that people strategy of what you're going to do, how people are going to move into the business yeah. and what element of that as well, really, isn't it? Absolutely. So what would be your biggest piece of advice um, for a business owner or a managers um, that can realistically implement to enhance their talent acquisition strategy? Okay. I, I think um, it would be talking to your team. My advice would be go and speak to your team and find out why the individuals, especially your shining stars, why they chose you over your competitors and listen. And I think that's a source of, of knowledge, insight, information that then you can use to put that into your marketing material, your employer brand that goes out there that appeals to similar people that you want in your business. Okay, so, so talk it to people. what you've got. Yeah, yeah, it's great for engagement as well. If you speak to your people, like we say, what Louise, you and I have said beforehand is, you know, if they feel part of it, they'll spread the word too. Yeah. And it is at that, I'm just thinking from a business point of view, we would often do kind of like um, a, a client satisfaction. Really, it's mm. really, it's, it's the internal satisfaction yes. that you've got there, isn't it? Yeah. Not by doing a survey as such, but it is the, the individual talking that makes a difference, doesn't yeah. it? Because people, again, feel listened to and the, yeah. they're engaged back yeah. into the business as well, isn't and it? And it's real. I think that's what people are looking for now. They're looking to engage with an employer who's real. Yeah. No more fluff, no more polish. Just what is what is it? Yeah. Because that's what will train them. The expectations are, are real. Okay, so what's your biggest piece of advice for businesses who are struggling to attract and retain the top talent? Yeah, I think it would be, again, just to stop and breathe and to think, think it through, get the right people together, have a conversation, stop doing what you've always done and got what you've always got if it's not working for you. If an advert's been out for a week and it's not worked, it's not going to work in the second week, just stop doing what doesn't work and sit down and start questioning why and start thinking about what else you could do differently. Have a conversation with us. Yeah. We can help. Uh -huh. Definitely, even if it's just to share some of, you know, one of the things I do definitely find is that when clients come to us and businesses come to us, they've lost the love for recruiting. It's just a massive headache. And it's I'm, just a job, isn't it's it? It's awful. Like, it's another task. It's They've just got to another get it task. Done. It's like another inbox that they have to manage. It's just painful and it doesn't work out. You know, if that's happening, stop because it's about people and it's about first impressions. And if you're not loving it, 
the other person on the other side will see that you're not loving it. And it is all about courting and bringing people in. So I was just thinking there when you've said that, it is about getting the right person to take the responsibility in the business. If it's a small business that have got 10, 20, 30 employees, it's not that there's a HR person there to do it. So who is going to take that lead yeah. role, isn't it? And it's yeah. got to be someone involved in the business, hasn't yeah. it? That love it, engage it, but also live and breathe the business, isn't yeah, it? You know, absolutely. so they can put the business out there in the best aspect as well, yeah, isn't it? Absolutely. Yeah, it needs to, because if I think sometimes if you have dabblers, so people who are kind of, there's three or four people just having a look at an inbox, it, it doesn't work either because from a candidate journey perspective, there's no consistency there. No one knows what you've done. And and also, you know, if you just suddenly decide to stop a, a role because you're just going to take what you've got coming, that's already come in applications wise, then you start making the wrong hires. It becomes a little bit messy. Yeah. And I suppose recruitment the process is just like anything else. It needs to start a middle and an end. It needs to be taken through and it needs to be done now more than ever in the best way possible so that you do get that person who's going to come and stay with you. Yeah, and it's that consistency of approach, is Always it? about consistent reconfirming, talking again about what's important to you as a business, all those things time and time again. So when people come through those doors, their eyes are wide and they know exactly what they're coming into and their, their hearts are in it. Yeah, straight away. And I think that's great. So we obviously been listening to you today. So where can listeners find out about more about you and about Talent Heads? Excellent. Well, um, they can look at our website. So it's www.talentheads.co.uk. And we are big on social. So like you say, we're quite like our TikToks and stuff. Cool and funky. <laughs> <laughs> well, I can definitely say it's not me that created. So Camille, massive shout out if you're listening to this. Camille does um, our graduate. You see, mm-hmm. new ideas, embrace it. But, but actually, I met her the other day and she is great. She's fab. <laughs> she had sparkly boots on. Uh, she has long, fabulous. long sparkly boots. There was an occasion for that, obviously. Um, <laughs> Not just randomly wearing them, but she, but but you know, kind of upon first meeting somebody, she's she's got something about her, hasn't she? Has. She's got that flair, she's got uh-huh. the ability, and she's got the drive to want to do yeah. something, and and she's invested in your business. She believes in it. Yeah, uh-huh. she absolutely believes in perfect, it. Perfect, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, hundred percent. So you could follow her or us yeah. or any of our channels. So we're on LinkedIn, we're on Twitter, we're on Facebook, we're on Instagram. Um, and we're on TikTok. So you can follow us on there, or you can just give myself a shout. Should I just say my email address, yeah, Louise? Of it's sam at talentheads.co.uk. Brilliant. So thank you very much for listening to the Real World HR podcast and thank you so much to Sam for joining us today. You can find out more information about the things that we've discussed in this episode in the show notes. Make sure that you subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss out on any future episodes. Thanks very much, Sam. Thank you.